Are you tired of the music in your gym? Do your workouts bring the right energy, but you've got dead spots in your playlist that just don't match up? I know exactly what you're talking about. Every trainer loves bumping M&Ms till I collapse. But no trainer or client wants to hear that 28-second slow tempo buildup that comes with that amazing song. That's the problem with playlists. You have to go through an entire song just to get to the next one. That's why DJ mixes are perfect alternative for working out when compared to a playlist. They mix the hype part of the music together when you need it to bring the energy. And then they can drop the beat down low and chill for when you're hitting the cooldown stretch or even in between an intense interval. You now can have a DJ inside of your gym every damn day with Reflex Radio. Reflex Radio provides trainers and gyms the ability to make every workout an experience with curated mixes synced to match the intensity of their planned workout. It's simple. You design your workout inside of their software. You then assign a flex level to each part of the workout. You can make it chill during the warmups and then let it slap and hit hard when your members need it the most. You choose the genres that you want mixed in and boom, you've got a custom DJ mix that fits your class flow perfectly. Guys, if you have not already registered for a two-week trial of Reflex Radio, head on over to reflexradio.com. That's reflex radio. Dot com and you can sign up for a two-week free trial. Please, your members deserve it. Your music experience deserves it. Head on over to reflex-radio.com and get signed up for your free two-week trial. What is up, guys? It is students. Another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. Uh, I've got my buddies here. I've got Zach Long and Jordan Barry. You guys are the founders of Onward Physical Therapy. And even a deeper connection, Zach, I remember we met at Nova's Bakery and we sat down and talked shop. And it's when I think I first started making WTF videos. And then we got some beer uh, and we sat in the gym at the old location and I think I had Chris Webster film it or something. And we did like beers and business, business and beers or something like that. It was like one, it was like the one of one episode I think I ever did on that. And we just sat there. It was like a long form. It was like, yeah, my first stab, I guess doing long form is like 2016 or something like that. Yep. And we crushed some white zombies. Yeah. Yeah. We just, (laughs) we were drinking and having a good time. Um, But so Zach, when did you start? If anyone who doesn't know, Zach started um, creating an online persona before having an online persona was super cool. Yeah, Barbell Physio was started when? So I started my website in 2013 when I was still in PT school and then really started diving into social media stuff. I probably started like Instagram and Facebook in 2014, 2015. And I mean, I'm pretty sure like when even when we sat down to the beers and business that whatever it was, you had that thing on Facebook. This is back when your Facebook business page followers was like the key thing was like that was 40,000 plus people easily. Yeah. Yeah. Talk. So, what made you get into that? Like, was it like were you watching like a, a the K Star model of the world, like in content coming out and stuff like that, or like what made you really want to dive all in it? Because you were again alone, and it, I mean now it's a much more crowded marketplace for people giving movement advice and helping out, and you be, being a physical therapist. But what originally want, made you want to do that? The original thing was just to differentiate myself from other physical therapists, so that I could get into the jobs and positions that I wanted. Because everybody comes out of PT school with very similar resumes. 
and I wanted to be able to write my ticket in some other way to get where I wanted to go. When I had to really push it hard was when I got in a job situation where I was making no money and had to figure out how do I start supplementing financially online. And that's essentially when I went all in. Got it. And instead said you've done all these collabs, Pamela Gangon. Um, Gangon. Yeah. Gang, Gangon. Yeah, I'll just call her Pamela because I'll <laughs> fuck that name up. Um, she was on a plane one time. I didn't say hi to her. She was going to a seminar, obviously, at some point, And... I remember she was squeezing into like a middle seat and the dude she had to go by, he was like staring at her lats as she was going past him. And this guy's just, the, his eyeballs just got real big. And I just laughed to myself. I was like, this chick's just such a badass. But oh, yeah. you started fucking around. You started doing collab content with her. Mm-hmm. A lot of it around the gymnastics kind of stuff. And you started doing some traveling and doing some teams. And I mean, the barbell physio just, I mean, at that point you're like, yeah, th- this is it. I'm not, I'm not going to go work at a, at an ortho clinic, you know, well, I, for a period of time, you were oh, somewhere. F- yeah. Forever. For, yeah, yeah. A period of time. When did you try? I mean, I was, I was full time until two years ago Okay, in the clinic. I was still treating 32, 33 hours really? a week. Okay. Then putting in the 20 or 30 yeah. hours a week between traveling and teaching and doing the online stuff. But that was just hustling like crazy on all ends to basically get to where student loans were paid off and yep. take care of that sort of stuff so that I had the flexibility to do whatever I wanted, which was open up onward with, Jordan and our other partner, Jeff. I think I remember that post. Are you a Ramsey guy? Did you follow? Yeah. yeah so you did. You, I remember you. It was a picture of you and your wife. Yep. And you guys had paid off all your student loans. Yep. Done, which most people will, won't have their student loans paid off by the time they're 50. Um, that was dope. What made you guys decide, like, that we debt for, like, was that, like, what made that a mission? Jesus, is it, are you one of those guys, like, I fucking hate having debt. I like a high credit score in the 800. Like, I don't like debt. I don't give a shit about my credit score. Okay. Because um. Dave Ramsey says you don't need a credit score. So, you know, Dave Ramsey's on an extreme. There are certainly other people on sure. other extremes. That There's multiple ways to be financially successful. But for us, it was that just that $250,000 that was just a piece of paper on a wall just felt like a black cloud yeah. on our lives. And we were just like, we're going to get done with this. Cool. We can knock this out in three years and then be set to where – Financially, we can do whatever we yeah. want from here on out. Like, if my wife wants to quit her six-figure job as a pharmacist, she can quit her job now sure. because we don't have that debt or anything holding us back to that. Cool. And then what year did you guys link up? I think we – I was still in school. Yeah. Um, I was I was following Zach's content because you're, you're what, four years ahead of me? Three? Yeah, four or five. Four or five. <laughs> Biologically, maturity, <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> so, so I was in PT school and I was following Zach's content. And then I was in school about an hour and a half of where Zach was practicing and just randomly reached out and went down there one day and just hung out and kind of treated on the side. Is it the place in South Park that I used to come to see you? That spot? Um, or like, same company. Okay. But our Blakeney location. Like that's right. Blakeney the Blakeney location. location. Yeah. And then we ended up teaching for the same company. So we both teach continuing education for physical therapists. So we were teaching different content, but under the same umbrella with the same company. Um, And then, so we had met for maybe about a year. It's kind of talking off and on. And then I moved out to California doing a residency out there. And then figuring out where I was going to go after residency is when we linked back up and said, you know, we both want to do the same thing. We both want to start, you know, an out of network practice. And I lived in Charlotte before I went to PT school. So it just made sense. You know, if we're, if we're going to do this potentially in the same area, why, why not link up, you know, versus competing against, against each other potentially. What's so the benefit of out of practice or out of network practices, obviously more revenue for you guys. Cause you're not having to 
take a cut. The insurance company isn't taking a cut, right? But obviously less, for but. less, yeah. But for then the consumer, it's like they've it's got to be someone who this, they really want this work done because obviously they're going to pay more than if they were to go to a network provider kind of scenario. Talk to me just from a business strategy of doing an out of network practice. I, so I'd say we make less per hour than probably what most clinics do. So okay. most clinics bring in two or three patients at a time in an hour Correct. for one clinician. They're probably making more okay. per hour than we are. Yeah. So you have to understand like where physical therapy currently is to understand why out of network was so appealing to us. Because if you go into a traditional physical therapy clinic, like anywhere in the country, it's pretty much an insurance mill. You know, where a lot of the decisions, the volume is driven by insurance reimbursement. So your typical physical therapy clinic, like big chain clinic, is going to see two to four patients an hour, all by the same therapist, but they're using support staff. So like you go in, right, your session is from 3 to 4 p.m. You're going to see the physical therapist for maybe 15 minutes if you're lucky. And then they're going to put you on the treadmill or the bike to warm up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that means. And then you're going to spend the rest of the time with either a physical therapy assistant or an aide or somebody that they just hired and trained on the job. And they're going to take you through a generic set of exercises for six to eight, eight to 12 weeks. And then hopefully by the end of that, you've made some progress. So it's just a fucked industry in general. This, so your model here yep. is more of a disruptor than anything else. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I don't care how good of a therapist you are. If you're treating four people at the same time, the quality shit, yep. no matter what. So in the out-of-network model, none of our decisions are made on how much we're getting reimbursed by insurance. This is the, the price that we charge, and everything's one-on-one. It, pretty much everything is an hour, and all of our attention is on one person and whatever their goals are, you know, it's not dictated by, are we going to get reimbursed for this or, or what's our productivity or anything like that. So from just a patient care standpoint, um, out of network just makes so much more sense. And then if you think about it from like a specialization standpoint, we treat a lot of fitness athletes. If you go in again to your standard PT mill clinic and you say, I have pain in the catch position of the snatch, right? That person, I promise you will have absolutely fucking no idea. clue what you're talking about. Yeah. And so then, you know, there's this disconnect between how do I get back, not just out of pain, but back doing the thing that I want to do maybe better. And that whole paradigm is not, does not fit in the traditional PT clinic, you know, model that's out there right now. So with our model being out of network, again, not worried about what's covered and what's not covered by insurance. It's what do you want to get back to? Like yeah. what, what's, what's your actual reason for being here? Sometimes it's pain, you know, sometimes it's not, we have plenty of people that come in. That's just, Hey, I want to get, uh, I want to get deeper in the squat or I want to improve my, 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 my overhead pressing or, you know, I want to, I want to run my first half marathon. I don't really know where to start. And it's nothing that has to do with pain. It's more from a performance standpoint. And that can really only live in an out of network model, like what we have. The past 15 years, we've had such a ride, like functional fitness and call it CrossFit, call it whatever, uh, obstacle course racing, like exercising is way more fucking involved than it, than it has been ever historically. Do you guys see the rise of that? Everyone jokes around, like, you know, you you meet some physical therapist or ortho, some shoulder surgeries. Like, yeah, I love CrossFit. They bought me my yacht, right? Like that kind of thing. Like, um, do you have you guys obviously seen a, an either an uptick or like have you really niched in on just someone who thoroughly enjoys functional fitness as their exercise pursuit because of it being 
a more complex, you know, dynamic modality, there is going to be a higher likelihood of injury, and there's a more there's more complicated positions to get into. Is that is that very complimentary? Like if CrossFit, if functional fitness wasn't as busy and as big as it is now, what would your patient load look like if it wasn't people coming in who want a better squat? Like the idea of having a better squat is new in the past 15, 20 years. Like, you know, wanting less rotator cuff pain when I do pull-ups is is new. That's that's not something that existed really too heavily in the old school Globo Gym format. I mean, that certainly helps because, you know, general shoulder pain, if you're not very active, isn't near as complicated to get better as somebody that's snatching or getting somebody's knee pain that just has pain like walking around the house going up and down stairs isn't as complicated as somebody training for a marathon. So that certainly helps in, in our spectrum of being able to be more specialized to have those people that are more f- focused on performance, which is what we love. And we're, we, we're athletes ourselves. Like, yeah, you guys come out of the CrossFit background. Every yeah. day, like, I can relate to those people. I cannot relate very well to the sedentary individual that doesn't have any performance-based goals in their life. And even if, it, if, we, even if your statement would have been, I don't really think that's helped too much, I think it's easy to say, well, that's definitely where it's going. Like, fitness is not going to get less functional. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people are not, like, more people will be deadlifting and doing hang power cleans and slinging dumbbells overhead and jumping on boxes going forward than there even are now. Like, that, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't see that methodology going backwards in time or in progress type scenario, which just creates a need for, and because you guys, it's it's all elective, the majority. Like, even, okay, so kind of, like, so I'm obviously a patient of yours. Um, I go see, you know, I saw Jordan when I jacked up my back, uh, which was, you know, an acute thing. And then when I did my calf thing, I'm I'm working with you. Do you see most people that have this acute, like, one-off random bullshit? Or is it, again, it's more of a consistent effort to improve their recreational fitness hobby? So we kind of have two models um, and onward. So we have really the rehab side of things where that lives anywhere. Like you're talking about, I tweaked my back three days ago, deadlifting. Yeah. Right. I've never had this pain before and I just want to get back to doing the thing, right. An acute injury like that all the way from I've had back pain for 15 years. Now it's to the point where it's actually limiting me from doing the thing I want to do. So that lives, you know, our rehab side lives across that spectrum. But one thing that's more unique to Onward is we have the other side called Restore and Perform, which is kind of the thing after the acute pain's gone. So it's, it's basically a uh, continuity model where we have people that are checking in with us either once or twice a month, and it might be pain-related, it might not. So in our system, we have a lot of people that have some acute flare, back pain, knee pain, whatever, or they've been dealing with something chronic. Once that pain is somewhat under control or resolved, a lot of our clients will move over to our restore and perform model, which is then a bit more performance-based, where if you're checking in with me once a month for the next year, you know, let's say by that second session, you don't have the back pain anymore. So what could we do now to not only um, improve your performance, but hopefully prevent some of these things from happening in the future as well? And that's the subscription model you guys have, yep. correct? Yeah. Which I think is, I love from the business perspective, you have the, the PIF, the paid in full, come in session by session. But, you know, again, someone could, you know, feel good after three sessions. They're like, all right, I'll see you when some other shit goes wrong, mm-hmm. right? And then what percentage would you say you convert from the PIF to the EFT, the recurring subscription? We would love for that to be more. The issue is that we can't act. We're so busy. Yeah, we yeah. can't actively 
sell yeah, that as sure. much as we would like. You know, as soon as we can hire a fourth therapist, get into a bigger location, at least in the Charlotte, we'd love to have that be 20% of our 20% patients. How many people but, are currently on that like program ballpark right now? Uh, it's about 50. That's, that's yeah, small. about 50. And that's, you know, and that's capacity. We actually yeah. quit. I, you know, I've pretty much stopped, stopped pitching people. it and selling. Yeah. yeah. We have a few people that are, are, are waiting to get on that. And I would say probably early on the, for when we launched it, maybe that first six months, about 30% yeah. converting over to that model. But, but now, yeah, it's pretty much who who's on it is who's on it right now until yeah. we get either, um, you know, more therapists or more space to, to accommodate. It's a, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, yes. Right. And when you're at capacity, you got two options. Right. And I know we've all we've talked off band, like bigger facility, more uh, clinicians in there. And then there's also the model. My favorite is just jack the price up, lose 20 to 30 percent of people, but you'll make 40 percent more money. And then you now you have a little bit more band room and you can't, you know, you just constantly. Yeah, I actually don't want to get a bigger facility. I'm just going to keep <laughs> charging a little bit more for this thing. My favorite uh, before they close down CrossFit San Francisco in their contract every year, your membership goes up three percent. And then underneath it says in bold, why? Because so does our rent, period. <laughs> like it's just, it just this yeah, beautiful yeah. thing. It's like, and guess what? After like, if you were there 10 years, your membership is now 30% more. That's a lot. That's, I mean, that's significant, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's say you're like, ah, fuck it. There's another CrossFit gym down the road I'm going to go to now. Drop out, cool. Someone else can come right back, come right mm-hmm. on in. So um, talk to me a little bit. So one thing I, and I also love from your, from you guys too, is the business savviness to then go license model. Uh, that's something I've talked a, a ton on this channel about recently. Was that always the plan when you opened this first location? Was other clinicians, other PTs are going to want what we're doing and they're not going to want to have to rewrite the fucking book. So yep. we'll write the book one time and then let's get some other people that are cool that vibe with our business model, our core values, our mission, and license it out to them. Yeah, essentially day one, Jordan called me up and said, hey, are you still thinking of doing this out of network thing? And I said, yeah. He said, well, Let's do it together. We're going to do it with Jeff, our third business partner, and we're going to figure out how to scale this thing up. Because, you know, we both travel around teaching continuing ed- education courses, and we meet tons of physical therapists that want to do things considerably different. And there's a big move towards this model, but people are out there doing it on an island. You know, they're not having somebody to bounce clinical skills off of and, and figure out how to get better. How do you, when you have that challenging case, how, who do you go to for advice when you're on your own? Who can you go to for business advice and figuring out what's working over here? Cause it can probably translate to me. And so we just wanted to create a, essentially like a collective of people where we all work together to make everybody grow faster. If you want to do a workshop on squat mobility at the local CrossFit gym, you shouldn't do that from scratch. I've done it 20 times. I know it works. I know it doesn't follow my script, change it to your unique personality or some things like that. But there's no reason why we shouldn't make this whole thing scale out so that all of these locations do significantly better more people are put in situations where they can thrive yeah the day one that was the plan yeah and P- pts are notoriously dog shit at business <laughs> skills as well so i mean the number one thing they're traditionally ho- employees for the most it, part totally and you don't learn that stuff at yeah. school so you have a lot of really highly skilled therapists out there that either getting burnt out because they're in those traditional systems or their practice is not going to survive, not because they're not a good PT, but because people don't know that they exist. You know, they haven't made relationships or not getting patients. So, um, you know, instead of watching 
all these one-offs across the country with dumb names and logos and just no, you know, no SEO presence. Their website looks like shit. All, you know, all of these things that are the limiting factor from somebody growing their practice, we've, we're trying to eliminate to where it's just, you take your skills that you've worked on for the last however many years, we'll provide you all the backend stuff that's, that's the scary stuff, right? That's preventing you from launching it and you just do your thing. How many additional onwards are there besides the the flagship location here in Charlotte? We're at eleven right now. Okay, that's incredible. That, and that's and probably, how many years? Um, two less years than two, three months so, now. Yeah, we launched in summer of twenty nineteen, June twenty nineteen, and then the second actual location was about that time in twenty twenty, summer of twenty twenty. So we've got we've got eight actually up and running. We've, and we've signed with an additional three. They're either in the process of doing a build-out or their location's about to open from a construction standpoint. So by the end of this year, we'll have at least 11 that are up and running seeing patients. And what uh, is this an annual fee to be associated with Onward? Kind of like a CrossFit affiliate? Or is it a one-time fee? How does that work? Percent of collections. Percent, okay. So you guys are taking a, a number off that. Gotcha. Yep. Is that is that difficult? Is everyone going to use the same billing software? Because people have asked me that too. Like, hey, if I wanted to create a licensed model with my micro gym, would I do it like what Urban's going to do or what CrossFit does where it's just a flat rate every year or should I take a percentage of sales? And it's, I like the percentage of sales as long as they're successful type scenario, uh, number one. And number two is like, uh, does that get complicated? Does it? Do you need like? Are you just looking at their QuickBooks? Are you, are they all using the same billing software that you guys are doing? So it's all seamless. How does that work? Yes, yeah, so we're we're all using the same billing system. So we use the same. It's it's an EMR that has scheduling, Jane billing, yep, yep, documentation. Jane Apps company in um, Canada. I love their 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 system. But everybody is on that. So it's very very easy. They're just they're you know they're paying um, monthly. Got it. That that percentage. What uh, is that percentage, if you don't mind sharing? Um, if you do mind sharing, we can edit sharing. it. We're not sharing. Good. It's a percentage. <laughs> it's good enough, whatever it is. It's enough to where they still make money, but you guys obviously are able to financially reap the effort and the energy you put into creating this model. One day, yeah. One day, one day. Yeah. <laughs> we're playing the long game. Playing yeah, dude, dude, the thing is, like, PT in, in general is very cheap. You know, if you look at the medical system out there, in, in terms of, like, the product that you're offering, I mean, compare that to, like, the, the dental space or like if you're an ortho, right? PT in, ge- in general is a, is a very inexpensive product. Sure. So there's a fine line that we, we had to figure out of like what's appropriate based on what we're offering. But like it, it's still a pretty small piece of the pie because that person has to make money and live, right? Yeah. That's the point of, of doing this is to, to be successful and be financially independent. It's crazy too because physical therapy, right? And I talk with my sister about this uh, often, um, my ex-wife, Zoe, she you know, had a salon. Per hour, what those girls would make for a service, let's call it hair extension, let's call it Brazilian blowout, let's call it a color, whatever the fuck, is two to three X what a trainer, a fitness trainer's market value rate would be. And it's probably one and a half, maybe almost two times what a professional, like you guys are DPTs, you went to school, you have $250,000 worth of fucking debt. And still it's insane that some chick who's 26 years old that she's going to work five hours that day and then go get fucking coke drunk that night is charging three sixty an hour for this fucking hair service. Yep. And you're like, what in the fuck? <laughs> but again, I mean, here's the difference. Fitness and physical therapy. Now with you guys, like with physical therapy, you can have immediate relief. I could get some e I could get some needling and feel great. Fitness is like, 
how do you feel? Like, that really hurt. Like, do you look any different? Not really. Okay, show up tomorrow, fuck face, and we'll keep doing mm-hmm. this. Whereas with a hair salon, it's instantaneous, instant gratification. Yep. You walk in looking one way, you walk out instantly looking a different way. But yeah, that always blew me away when I would think, because I remember asking my sister when she first, like, what, you know, what is the going rate for physical therapy? I'm like, that's not as much as I would have thought. You're right, right. an hour in a dental chair, way different. An yeah. hour with your optometrist, way different. That's, why do you think there's such a discrepancy? Oh, that for sure just goes back to where the profession started as just um, a, a lower level tier thing, later joining the medical community, and we've just continually positioned ourselves in that space as a profession, I think. I think the dog shit that happens in so much of our profession doesn't... Oh, God. Can I say this? Yeah. You can't. You definitely can. <laughs> definitely can. Whatever. I don't uh, even know what you're going to say, but just <laughs> for, say it. Say it. For, What's happening quality-wise in so many spots, like if you're seeing two to four patients an hour, like you don't deserve to get paid yeah. $200 an hour sure. by each patient that's there. You know who sees two to four people per hour? A waitress. Yeah. That, that, right. And that kind of profession comes with that kind of wage. I, just, I, don't, I don't think we've delivered the outcomes to determine or, or to demand higher prices based on what the overall model in so much of our profession is. It's so funny when you really think about that, that what you said there is so interesting because you look at the the teacher industry. And I've said this before. Teachers get paid astronomically less than tutors do. Mm -hmm. An independent SAT tutor will make 4X per hour what a teacher will. And the one variable you can land on, there's a plenty of conversations you could have with people in that profession, is the second you start serving, doing your service to a multitude of people at once, that volume model, there is a complete, if volume goes up, quality comes down. It's just, it's an if-then statement typically in the service industry, not products and widgets, no, but in service, yes. So if you want the most expensive hourly rate, going one-on-one high quality is generally the way to do it. It's generally not in mass presentation of your service unless you're a fucking elevation church, you know, preacher or televangelist (laughs) type scenario. That's it. Um, I think it's what I, the other thing I think is really interesting in the physical therapy world now is where does the role of educating people to do the shit themselves? Like I, I went and did the, the star red interview and he's like, I fucking almost, I just wish I, people were not just shoving lacrosse balls in their ass because of the things I told them and <laughs> voodoo flossing their entire body. Yeah, yeah. How much of the self myofat, like of the self treatment do you think is just largely inaccurate, poorly done? It just not even the right solution for the right problem. Like how much of that has kind of gotten bastardized and, I mean, at least puts people in your in the mindset of like, oh, I'm doing a thing to solve this pain, and if it doesn't, hopefully they make it to you guys. But how much of that has kind of muddled things up for you when you're working with patients? Well, I think so. First off, I I'm not against any of that stuff. I love that stuff. I use it myself. Like there is a huge role for pain reduction, and you have people on both ends of the spectrum in the profession. It's like saying, you know, manual therapy is bullshit. It doesn't do anything, yada, yada, yada. And then people on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And the truth always lives somewhere in the middle, right? So getting people out of pain is super important because now a lot of the things that we do to get people out of pain, whether it's manual therapy, like, right, spinal manipulation, dry needling, decompression with cups, like, all of the things that we'd use to get people out of pain are inherently temporary. 
But if you don't get someone out of pain, you can't do the things that's going to lead to long-term change, like progressive loading, like getting someone stronger, getting them better mobility, or whatever the the long-term plan is. So it needs to be a combination of both. Because if you come in day one and you've got an eight out of 10 back pain, right? Like when you came yeah. to see me, yeah. if I was like, dude, we just need to get, let, let's just deadlift and get your back stronger. You're like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. Right? yeah. So like we have to have tools to get your pain down to where it builds trust right now. Now that I've proven to you that I can decrease the thing that you came for. Now you're going to trust me to get you to the long-term solution. So I like all of those you know, uh, uh, pain reducing tools, whether that's voodoo floss, lacrosse balls, whatever, whether I'm doing it with you or you're doing it on your own, um, with, with the caveat of knowing it's temporary and you still need to be doing the things outside of that. That's gonna long-term prevent you from having to do so much of that in the first place. I think where my discontent is in the, from a strength and conditioning coach was, it was, again, it was in the height of the mobility wad, but I would have kids come in and it was like, Oh, we're doing pull-ups. All right, I, I need to spend, and like, they'd voodoo floss the shit out of it, and then they'd floss, I mean, they'd go back, I mean, this would be a nine-minute, 12-minute procedure, and they're like, oh, I can't warm up with the rest of the class, I gotta go do this in the corner, else I'm not gonna be able to do pull-ups. I'm like, that's every time we do pull-ups, for the past 90 days you've had to do this, don't you see that there's an underlying issue here? And and it's, I was at the, um, I went to the Dowd YMCA, uh, went to grab a quick workout, because I had a meeting over there, and... Well, I'll just go upstairs. I've never been in there before. I swear to God, I saw more people doing self like lacrosse ball, voodoo floss, like doing mobility shit in between sets and something I'd, I'd ever seen. And maybe I just haven't been in a global gym in a hot minute, but like I was so impressed. I'm like, holy fuck, that a lot of people are doing this kind of thing. And at least I guess I like it because it puts them in the mindset of realizing there's something wrong and there is a solution to it. And my, I guess my hope is just. After a while, after doing all that and rolling out every fucking day for a year, you realize, well, maybe it's not, maybe the foam roller is not going to be the solution to this problem. I like that it gets people like active in their rehab, yeah. active in trying to figure out what they respond to. I like that there are tweaks and in injuries. Like you don't need to go run to a medical provider anytime you have a tweak. So spend a week doing stuff and see if it's just a tweak or if something's actually damaged. Like your calf was not a tweak. Yeah. That was actually damaged. You needed to figure out how to appropriately load that and do some stuff to make it feel better but i don't need to see somebody every time they their shoulder bugs them a little bit after doing pull-ups in the gym if they can find something that knocks it out really quickly great i kind of want people to stay out of the medical system yeah because there's a lot of bad stuff that happens when you go to certain people in the medical system do you guys ever get the uh what i call the the really the really smart dumb client who's self-educated themselves (laughs) to it yeah yeah like the really smart dumb motherfucker who's like listen i watched a few videos on this and i'm gonna tell you what's diagnosed but i just came here to you know see what you thought double check yeah (laughs) double check yeah Yeah. (laughs) is there some of that i would say it's less than when i was in an in-network model because there's just a higher price barrier yeah if if you know what it is you don't want to come pay me yeah that much money but like if it's only like a $20 copay sure sure you can come pay me to pat you on the back and say you've been doing a good job (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna pay me as much as we charge now for that yeah no that makes sense you guys are um you are you married are you like married in charlotte like married to charlotte like you do you see yourself moving from charlotte anytime soon um i don't really care where i live to be honest (laughs) with you so it's completely up to my wife (laughs) smart man smart man Yeah, yeah solid answer what about you um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, I think home base I, I love is 
being Charlotte. Got it. Um, the longer I'm in Charlotte, the more I love it. But I think that as this grows, my time in Charlotte might be less. You know, I'll be traveling yep. to different locations and teaching and doing all the things that are going to be required for what we're trying to do with our career. But um, I love the idea of like my home base being sure. in Charlotte. Yeah. I was thinking about that because at that growth rate you mentioned earlier, 11 locations in just a little over two years, was that fast or do you think that was actually on par for what the rest of your growth will look like, at least for the this early adopters period? I think it's probably on par for what we want to do. I mean, we really we really want to see, what, five to ten um, per year. Okay. And it really, it really just depends on where our capacity is because, sure. you know, this thing could oh, yeah. be 50 or 100 right now. I mean, we get you – know, Jeff, our, our, our partner, screens a lot of the people wanting to do Onward, you know, but this – it's not us reaching out to clinicians and saying, hey, you should do sure, this. Sure, yeah. It's people We're saying, to you. yeah, yeah, I want to do this model. And I would say 95% of people we say no to yeah. for some reason or another. So it really is going to be based on what, what our capacity is, you know, with keeping that the culture that we want to have and then making sure that we've got the right people to launch in specific locations. Yeah. I think we opened with 11 and we probably had 250 calls. Really? Or, or Jeff has had 250. That's probably whittled down to 25 calls with all three of us trying to see if that person's the right fit and then narrowing that down to 11 that are actually. Yeah. I want to come to what that. makes the right fit for an onward uh, licensee, but let me go back to the, 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 re the reason I asked the geographical thing is because yeah, when I think about a license model at some point, you're probably, you know, at some point there will be enough of these to where your real full-time business is not treating my back pain necessarily. You've got a bigger obligation to keep all these people, you know, keep face and understand what's actually happening out there. Because now you create an ecosystem of businesses that are, you know, looking up at you to, for direction and guidance. And when you just stay in your clinician box here, it, it like I tell people all the time, like if you want to grow your gym and get another location, don't stay in your gym. Like get out, be other places. You got to understand different markets. You got to understand like what else is going on. Um, yeah, I just the I, when I think about you guys expanding this thing, it's like yeah, I, it'd almost be detrimental. Like maybe you just travel a ton. You still live in Charlotte, but yeah, it'd be detrimental probably to stay like to not be gone most of the time and be seeing these people because you could always like get an email from a licensee like this is what's not going great but until you walk in you're like well no look yeah, at this yeah, fucking yeah. place like you gotta like be boots on the ground just like franchisees they have area you know QCDs quality control directors their entire job is to oversee 30 fucking locations and just have windshield time and just drive and, and make sure there's no kettlebells at Orange Theory you know like essentially yeah it's you know, we always say little things are big things and little things can't get communicated on Zoom calls. Nope. So like when you walk into a clinic, it's like, how do I feel when I walk in here? Does it feel like the other ones? Am I excited? Is it, what's the first thing I see, see when I walk in? You know, is it, is it, um, you know, the squat rack versus the kettlebells, it, you know, all those things that might vary depending on their clientele, yeah. demographic, location, all those things. But like all those like intangibles, you can't do unless you're in person, like seeing it. The thing I love about your facility and I, I this is probably just like it hits me. I'm like, oh, my God, I love that too, guys. It's like a duh. The glass, the all the all the office rooms, the private rooms are glass. Like mm -hmm. I hate 
like the idea of a medical office where it's a closed door. And yeah. I get like, there's obviously a privacy thing, but like just the idea of it just being open and I can see in. And then if it's something private, whatever, and you can throw a curtain or whatever it may be, if somebody needs some privacy, they're in some cupping or whatever the fuck it may be. But like, that is honestly one of the things in your place. I love the natural daylight that comes in. It just, why it just, it feels nice and clean. I don't feel like I'm in a medical office. <laughs> that's on purpose. So, on purpose somewhere along the way in PT in the last hundred years there's somebody that decided the official color is going to be beige <laughs> it, it, like and that's so disgusting <laughs> yeah. like I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. you walk in to a standard PT clinic the floor is beige carpet yep. right the walls are beige and you've got exercise equipment from the 70s yep. rusted and that's pretty you know you've got your nice stack of one through ten dumbbells that are different colors and yep. your exercise balls, right? Yep. That's like the official setup in, in your PT mode. The PT kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what what could we do that feels literally the opposite of that? Like, that doesn't have a medical feel to it where when you walk in, your shoulders drop a little bit, yeah, yeah. right? And you just, you feel relaxed and you feel calm and, and it still has like an upbeat vibe to it, right? There's music yep. playing, things like that, but it's not like I'm, I'm going to the doctor. Sure. You know what I mean? That felt the same way. I felt like uh, CrossFit at one point. It was like looking around in 2013. Like, did we all just get a kit of rogue banners and a kill clip fridge and fucking like uh, an Ikea cubby for people to leave their fucking weightlifting <laughs> shoes overnight? Like it just, I just like, I can't, I want to burn it all to the fucking ground. It just like, who fucking came up with that? Yep. But it's just monkey see, monkey do. Someone does it. And then the next person's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm just going to do what that guy's doing. Right. When you have you guys made any content as onward? Like I, one of the things I think about, like for like the consulting and even for Urban, I made content like how to make this place not look like ever the shitty CrossFit gym. Like video, like content. Like, that. like have you guys put anything out there on the business side of onward, or are you just kind of reserving those nugs for licensees? A lot of that lives in the resources that we provide for. Um, the different locations. Yeah. Um, we have not put anything out on like a, a, a broad, sure. a broad uh, state of, you know, this is what we think is best practice. Mm -hmm. or, you know, this is what makes us unique. A lot of that lives in inside of the resources that we have, but there are like certain things that we feel like make an onward and onward um, or that a, a, a new um, location should for sure have like you should walk in and see this 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 and this right and you're going to have these things in the room these things in the gym and um, it's more like concepts than like you've got to have this kind of kettlebell right or sure. something like that when you guys think of future location that we were talking about like what the criteria is for a licensee what is like the number one thing besides them not being stu like they're actually like an intelligent person. You think they have good, decent business acumen. What's like the number, is it, do they have to be capitalized? Like we just need someone who has the cash flow to make this place look good. We don't want someone to do it balling on a budget. Who's like, yeah, it's going to look beige, but for the first two years, and then I'm going to upgrade my colors in year three when I get more money. Like what is your number one criteria? Cause that's a lot of people you've probably had to say no to. So I th we grade people on basically five things typically in terms of like when we're talking to them, there are five factors that determine for us if they're good. I, I think the number one thing that we have to have is just clinical skills. So Jeff, our partner, always says, get good, then get busy. There's too many people out there that, that aren't great coaches, great physical therapists. They just don't have these great skills but are trying to really grow this business. Get really good first at That's delivering yeah, I this like that. awesome freaking product. And then we can learn to market it. We can learn to sell it. We can learn all those other stuff, but I can't do that on top of dog shit clinical skills. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's number one by far. So fortunately for us, Jeff, Jordan, and I all travel around teaching courses to other PTs. A number of our first locations that opened up, those guys and girls all teach for the same company. Like they're good friends. We work together in teaching con ed. So I get to see what your hands-on skills are like. I get to see how you coach a squat or a deadlift in my course. I get to see your personality when after the course we go out and have beers and we get to learn a lot of that stuff before we even get into those conversations with people, which really helps us weed yeah. that out a bit. The, you guys, and that's ICE, correct? ICE, Institute yeah. of Clinical Excellence. Institute yeah. of Clinical Excellence. Um, I remember when Julie started talking about it, I was like, the people that kick out brown people in this country? Like, <laughs> uh, like, like what are you doing? She's like, I'm doing a podcast oh, for ICE. I was like... <laughs> What you're doing? You're you're doing what? <laughs> um, anyway, but so with ICE, it's that's cool. That's a great way to bird dog, obviously, potential licensees, mm-hmm. and and it gives you the authority. There's nothing I tell people trying to create a level of authority online. I'm like, shoot a video in which it looks like you're talking to a bunch of people, even if you're not talking to a bunch of people. Shoot the video at an angle where it looks like, and you're looking past the camera. You're talking to a bunch of people. That video will carry more authority than anything you can fucking do, um, because that's instantly like, oh, a bunch of people paid, or a bunch of people are just there listening. To this person, they must know what they're talking about. So you guys get into that authoritative position, and I'm assuming with ICE now is Jeff involved. Jeff, that's him too. That's his company. That's his company. Cool. So he like he obviously saw sees the benefit of like we've got this great applicant pool that you guys are gonna be traveling and seeing. Mm-hmm. What a dope. How did you get hooked up with ICE? Because that's I, that's obviously a pivotal fucking, you know, linchpin in the mm-hmm. success of this entire thing. So Jeff had this like online mentorship group years ago where just a bunch of young clinicians and student PTs. How um, old is Jeff? 40. 40. Yeah, okay. 40. Um, so he was running that and Jordan was in it. Another friend of ours, Mitch, was in it. And, and Mitch was coming to actually be a student doing a rotation with me. And Mitch told me about it because I was kind of in a situation where I was not surrounded by other clinicians trying to be excellent at their job. And I was just look, I was hungry for that like fellowship with other people that give a shit about being awesome. And so I joined that group as well. And just through that group, uh, you know, Jordan's going to Jeff's courses. Uh, Jeff and I met up to go take a course by somebody else together, like planned a weekend to get to meet in person and just, um, just very clear that, the three of us, as well as everybody else that's in that organization, just really care about pushing our profession to the next level. Dope. And it just naturally led to the serendipity this, of meeting yeah. people in it. It's it's funny. A lot of people ask that, like when we're teaching courses, like, you know, everyone has the same dinner questions like, oh, how'd you get involved? And, yeah. you know, all that. And can I start teaching? Yeah. Can I? Yeah. When can I start teaching for you? You know, but it was really organic for me. Like, I think Zach, Zach's was a little different. We were still involved in the same group, but Zach already had that big presence, right? Yeah. In, the, in the CrossFit space. Mine was more of just like, I showed up over and over and over and over. So like when I was a student in PT school, I was taking a bunch of continuing education courses because it's like, I'm either going to quit PT school or I'm going to figure <laughs> out w- what's out there yeah. that I'm not currently learning, right? Because those two things were not matching up. So I ended up going to an ICE course and meeting Jeff and, and got hooked on it, on, on what we were teaching and how, like the way to go about how we practice now. And, you know, we call it PT 2.0 of like kind of how, how we believe like the expert therapist now in 2021 should be practicing. But after I took that first course, I probably took 
25 before I graduated, you know, in different parts of the country. So I'm just like flying around, yeah. traveling around, following Jeff. And I mean, sure. Eventually you take enough. It's yeah. like, okay. He's like, I see here all the fucking, fucking guy. Time. Yeah. That's here. You're like the same the dude at 300 time. Dave Matthews band. Yeah, concerts. Yeah. <laughs> so we so, had this awesome idea. Can I interrupt you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we had this awesome idea called ice immersion where we were going to charge like for three years, this one fixed rate. You can show up to as many courses as you want. This guy ruined the, <laughs> I'm the program. reason it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were looking at it, we're like, all right, if somebody takes all of our courses over three years, like drives the client gonna, values at zero, <laughs> pretty good money. And essentially, like a year and a half into it, we realized, like, oh my gosh, Jordan yeah. is single handedly destroying <laughs> this program, and we stopped it. It's like the client who has an unlimited membership, and they come seven days a week, and you're like, <laughs> oh, oh good, they're paying three two a days, three dollars. Come seven yeah. days a week. Jordan came to the morning, lunch, <laughs> and evening classes. <laughs> But I, I love it though. I love. I mean, and the the cool thing about that all is, it seems like a lot of PTs. And this is just my, my conversation with Julie. Is they are a lot of them are like instantly getting out of school. Like there's way more to learn. Like wanting to get into continuing ed mm-hmm. quickly. We saw that in the fitness scene a lot too. Like that's when the like the seminar circuit, not just CrossFit, but like even with Muscle Driver being down the road, everyone had a weightlifting seminar, or Zach would come to the gym, or fucking Carl Paoli would show up to do body. Like it just like there was like a SME for every fucking aspect of functional fitness. Are you seeing a lot more of that now? Like people being in PT school or getting out of it and being like, Yeah, I still there's a lot that was not covered in that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar piece of paper. Yeah, so I'm older than Jordan, so I probably have a little bit more perspective on this. But, like, when Jordan's in school, there's Instagram and Facebook accounts of people putting out decent quality information. There's a lot of blogs. So I actually think now there's more awareness by new grads on how much they don't know. Sure. Versus when I was in school, I feel like we thought that our professors and what we were learning was, like, everything. And we thought we kind of really knew a lot. So I think there's been a big shift in the last – 10 years towards more awareness of like how general PT school is and how much more there is to learn in your specialty. Yeah. Would, uh, would you guys ever open an onward inside of an existing gym? Like build it out. Like, okay, let's pretend this thing was good. Like I was still doing this. I was like, here, here's 3000 square feet, ride or die. That entire thing over there is gone. Here's 3000 square feet, whatever you need. Would you ever open one up inside of an existing gym? It would have to be a pretty special circumstance. So yeah. Let's take like ride or die over here. Sure. Can we create a separate entrance? Can we have yep. our own signage out front that separates the business? Yep. We're open to that idea. Would we do like the dock in the box that a lot of PTs are doing right now where they have, like we talked about your room upstairs yeah, years yeah. and years ago. Yeah, yeah. Would we have something like that that's very clearly inside of your gym and we just have this like corner office, yeah. little space? It's hard space? to establish a brand no, that way, yeah. Because... I'm not getting the CrossFit down the road to send their members to come into your gym to see me or like Jordan treats a lot of like 40 year old, 50 year old women with, with that that are not going to go into the gym. Yeah. They do not want to listen to jaw rule in the background (laughs) and barbells clanging while they get their neck worked on to try to reduce their headaches. Which I don't understand why not. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, it it would be a very specialized circumstance. It makes sense. Yeah. Now I'm like, how many? So, how many onwards will open by the end of the year? How many more like in the works for this year? Do you got them all done for this for twenty twenty one? Three this there's, year. There's three that will open. Two that are like literally building the space out right now. So one will be open in a week. One will be open in five or six weeks, and then one is actively looking for the location. And we think we have it. So hopefully, end of the year. Do you guys ever think to like Ray Crockett like buy the locations and then rent it out to them? Yeah. 
Yeah. That, I would, I, that's I, coming. Yeah, I, that's 100% what I would want to do. I'd 100% like, once because you, you got a viable business model, show it, show a good enough proof of concept in a couple different markets, and then buy the location and then sell it, you know, give them the lease. And yeah, that would be, it would make up for the small margin. Whatever the small margin is currently you're taking from them, but if you, beca- you know, they became a tenant and now they're paying down your fucking assets and it's all on the, but that would be, that would be the way to do it. Realistically, too, that puts our people in a good situation. Correct. Yes, control. it does. Like, they're not going to get kicked out. You're not going to have a shit landlord. Them. I care about your business. Yeah. And then, you know, let's say there's four office spaces in there. Yeah. You are my priority. Correct. Because I, I got two businesses with you, essentially. Yeah. The CRE portion of that slows down growth until you build up a really strong, like, commercial real estate team to, like, to look at the map and know it all. Because otherwise, it's like, let's say it's... Denver, Colorado, and you're like, fuck, we don't know the Denver, Colorado market. Like, Jordan, go fucking hang out there for three months and Mm -hmm. figure out where the good spot for us to buy something is. Otherwise, you just have to hire a broker in Denver, Colorado, and hope that guy's not a fucking idiot. But yeah, that's like when you you go past that movie, The Founder, with Michael Keaton or whatever. Uh, have you oh, seen the founder? A, that's a good movie. Yeah, where it's just it's the story of Ray Kroc and how he just took over McDonald's. What an asshole! Yeah, I loved it. I fucking <laughs> loved it. But like that's that's one of the hardest things when you get deeper in that story is anyone who wants to go that real estate play. We're like, Onward's not really a physical therapy company. Onward's a real estate company. You know, kind of scenario. Yeah. You've got to have the strongest you know CRE arm possible because that's if that's gonna be the driver buying the real estate's the first obstacle. And that's a huge fucking obstacle because things go on the market and go off the market, especially now, just like that. But that's that's dope. Like the more, like when I think about that, that would be a very, very cool evolution for you guys on that. Yep. And then you've kind of closed the circle too because you've got the location, yeah. right? So so the instructors for, for ICE, you know, the company we teach from, they're teaching at those yep. locations. And, you know, we're not... Everything is inside of that uh-huh. bubble and that loop, and we're not having to rely on anyone else for 100%. for location, for yep. for weekend courses, for whatever. Yeah, very cool, guys. Uh, if anyone's listening to this, they want to get in contact with you, and they're for whatever reason talk to you about onward, what you've done, how can they best reach you? Probably just message us onward CLT on Instagram. Onward CLT at Instagram. I'll link that in the show notes, fellas. This is dope. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for making my calf feel better and my back feel better. (laughs) I appreciate you guys. Um, All righty, guys. See you in the next podcast.